happy way in this place, God. Amen and amen. Give God a hand clap of praise in this place. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Our young people can be dismissed. Amen. I'm thankful for our worship team. Amen. Amen. Noel's out of town also, and we're thankful for Nate stepping in, taking the piano tonight. Amen. Amen. Good to see all of you here tonight, and I uh, just pray that God will just pour out his presence in a mighty way and just bless this message. Amen. Tonight we're going to be talking about the narrow way. Amen. If you can put that up there, John Graham, the narrow way. It's still a narrow way. Amen. It's still a narrow way. And that's what we're going to kind of be talking about tonight. It is still a narrow way. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says this. Enter through the narrow gate. Amen. The narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. Amen. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only few find it. Amen. The Bible says narrow is the way. Amen. Narrow is the way. I was looking at some stats the other day, and I was looking at some things, and some surveys, and one of the surveys said, according to CBN, which is Christian Broadcast News, it says 70% of adult Christians believe there are no moral absolutes that apply to everyone. In other words, 70% of Americans think there's no moral absolute, no moral truth that applies to everybody. Amen. In other words, we kind of make up our own truth. Amen. We kind of make up our own absolutes. That's what the world believes today. Amen. In fact, 85% of the people surveyed that claim to be Christian or not rejected the ideas of moral absolutes and stated that people must create their own moral standards. In other words, what's truth for me may not be truth for you. Amen. What's right for me may not be right for you. Amen. There is no true right or wrong. There's only what I make. Amen. That's what the world believes now if you look at these surveys. Amen. Seven out of ten people that claim to be Christians believe that God, do not believe that God was the basis of absolute truth. I'm sorry. Only seven out of ten Christians believe that God was the basis for absolute truth. In other words, three out of ten said that, that he isn't the basis for absolute truth. Amen. And it was slightly lower in the Pentecostal denomination than the Catholic denomination. If you know who George Barna is, Barna Research, he's a very well-known Christian survey guy or whatever. <laughs> he said only half of Americans now believe in all-knowing, all-powerful, loving, and forgiving God. And less than half believe the Bible is completely true and relevant to modern life. In other words, the Bible was for back then. Amen. The Bible was for a long time ago. A lot of people believe now. George Barna also said, we're seeing an untethered generation, young people completely adrift with no foundation in God, no biblical truth or standards of morality, the very things that enable generations before them to live well and flourish. Those who still recognize the truth of God and his standards have a responsibility to share these with the next generation or they will be lost to this next generation and maybe our nation lost forever. Amen. But I want you to know today, the only thing I did kind of disagree with Mr. Barner on is that this is not a young people issue, amen? This is not a problem just in our younger generations, I mean, I want you to know today that the world in all generations are seeing a moral decline from what they believe is truth, amen? See, there's a disturbing trend in the world 
that people believe that they kind of make up their own truth. Amen. That they kind of make up their own standards, if you will. And it's even more disturbing that this belief has leaked over into the church some. It has, amen. I read another statistic that said 20% of adult American Christians said that living a life according to God's will is the single most important thing in their life. Only 20% of adult Christians said that living a life according to God's will is the most important thing in their life. So if you turn that the other way around, 80% of adult Christians are telling God that you got to take a number. Amen. you got to take a number. You're not the most important thing in my life. Amen. 80% of people claiming to be Christians are saying that at times there are more important things than God's will in my life. And today you may be shocked at these. You may be saying that that can't actually be true. But I think if you actually look around for a moment, you can say, you know what, I think that might be true. Amen. If you watch the news, you say, I think that might be true. Amen. If we're honest with ourselves and we, you know, we don't put on our church mask today, we can kind of look around the world and we can kind of see a church no longer sets the standards for absolute truth. If you think about that today, amen, the church no longer governs, amen, if you will. The church no longer sets the truth, the absolute truth of the Bible, amen. See, these stats are kind of lived out before our very own eyes every day. If you go to school with people that claim to be Christians, you work with people that claim to be Christians, you have family members that claim to be Christians, and if you're very honest with yourself today, you'd say, that sometimes they live lives that are contrary to the Word of God. And we see people that live lives contrary to the Word of God. Amen. People that claim to live one way, but yet their lives don't line up with the way that they claim to live. Amen. It's going to get a little tight in here tonight, so I'm going to need you guys to be a little more vocal. Amen. Because this is a tough message. Amen. This is a tight message, and I believe it's going to get a little tight tonight. But I want you to understand that this is truth. Amen. And it's what God gave me. Amen, and it's what God laid on my heart today, so I want you to just be, just understand, I might step on your toes tonight, but I love you and God loves you, amen. <laughs> I love you and God loves you. You see, see, I can only speak for myself, but I believe that there's other people in here just like me. See, if we're honest with ourselves, not only do we at times see this in front of us, but sometimes we see it in the mirror also. Sometimes we see that if we admit to ourselves, we're not living up to the absolute truth. Amen. We're not living up to the truth of God and the standards that he said. Amen. See, if we're honest, and we'll see that the church, the overall church, the people of God, have a straight off the mission a little bit. Amen. Straight off the mission. Amen. If you think about it, there's a lot of people, and maybe us, right, that have kind of relegated the book of the Bible to a coffee table or to a mantle, and we've closed it, and there's dust settling on it. Amen. And we've left it closed for way too long. And we've also lost a little bit of sense of urgency on our lives. Amen. We've lost a little bit of sense of urgency to reach out to other people and tell them about Jesus. Amen. See, I believe at times we lose sight of how narrow the way is. Amen. We lose sight that this is a very narrow way. Amen. And I'm not trying to call shock value today or try to be mean. Right. But I think at times the church is in danger of becoming what the New Testament church despised of so much, and that was the Pharisees of the world. Amen. See, today we're going to focus on the way that we're called to live as Christians. And while we're focusing on the way that we're called to live by the Bible, we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture tonight. 
And while we're focusing on the way that we're supposed to live, you got to ask yourself, do I line up with the way this is asking me to live? Amen. That's what we all got to do. I believe at times we got to ask ourselves, am I lining up with the way that the Bible tells me to live? See, the Bible says that there's a way that we should live, and it's a narrow way, but there's a broad way, and it's a way that most people live. But what happens on that way? The Bible says that way ends in destruction. Amen. That way ends, ends in destruction. It also says that there will be many that choose the broad way, but only a few will choose the narrow way. Amen. A narrow way. Amen. Today we're going to look at what that narrow way looks like. Amen. I told my wife I had seven points tonight, and she, <laughs> she about threw my papers away. <laughs> but she didn't. She didn't. I still got them. Amen. But they're going to be go quick. We're going to go quick tonight. But I do got seven things that we're going to look at on the narrow way. First of all, the, the way is narrow, <laughs> obviously, amen. That's what it's called, the narrow way. It is, obviously. But see, what I see today is that our society, instead of all about truth and all about God's way, society today is all about acceptance, right? Acceptance, right? We just want everybody to be accepted, right? We don't want anybody to be offended anymore, right? We don't want anybody to be offended. We're worried that somebody's going to be offended there's an old saying that says all roads lead to Rome. So we're kind of changed that to where all roads lead to heaven, right? That's the way that the world's changed it, right? You get there however you get there, and I'll get there however I get there, right? It's no longer acceptable in our culture to say that there's only one way, right? There's, it's no longer acceptable in our culture to talk about Jesus, amen, right? Because that name Jesus causes anger to people, amen. If you watch the Grammys this week, which I didn't watch the Grammys this week, I wouldn't watch that anyway because I wouldn't watch it. But anyway, if you watched it, if you saw some highlights from it, people on there just blatantly going against the Bible. People on there just blatantly with devil costumes on and people worshiping the devil in front of everybody to see. And everybody's calling it art, calling it entertainment or whatever they want to call it. But what I want you to know is it's wrong. Amen. And it's sin. Amen. It's sin, and it's very, very open. And it's also, people are saying that if you believe that, that that sin, and if you say, if you believe that you know that what they're doing is wrong, then guess what? Then you are a bigot, right? Or you are, uh, are one of those people, you know, that are, are against everybody. You're a hateful person, right? But that's not the way it is. What I want you to know today is that that is against the Bible. Amen? And when people start talking about Jesus, I guarantee that if a Christian would have got on there and started talking about Jesus, there would have been people talking about him, amen? But when people get on there and they dress like devils and people worshiping the devil on open TV, nobody talks about it, amen? Even the Christians are quiet. Even the Christian entertainment is quiet, amen? What I want you to know today, our society and culture believes everybody should be able to express their own beliefs except for people that follow Jesus, amen? They believe that everybody should be able to say what they want to say, Everybody should be able to speak their own mind except for Christians. Those people shouldn't be able to do that. Amen. Pastor Mark talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and me and my wife was watching it on the news. Mark was talking about this hockey player, and uh, he, he's from a, a Russia, and he belongs to a Russian Orthodox church, and he believes, and his church believes, in the sanctity of marriage. Sanctity of marriage meaning between a man and a woman, and that's the only way that a marriage that God recognizes, that's what his church believes, that's what he believes. 
right? A couple of weeks ago, his team, a team in America, amen, not a team in another country, not somewhere far off, amen, in America, in Philadelphia, amen. The team had like a day supporting Pride Month, and the players, they were warming up in these Pride-themed uniforms, and they had Pride rainbow stuff on their hockey sticks. And this man, he chose to sit out of it. He said, I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to do that, amen. He didn't protest, I want you to know. He didn't post on Facebook, amen. He didn't uh, go outside and hold up a sign. He didn't have any negative comments whatsoever, amen. All he did was say, I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to be a part of that, amen. I don't believe in that, so I'm not going to be a part of that, amen. Never protested at all, but I want you to know that people came against him hard. They came against him hard. They called for him to be thrown out of the league. They called for him to be thrown out off the team, amen. People came at him hard. See, the world believes that everybody should have an opinion except for those that have an opinion on Jesus. Amen. Amen. Our culture preaches tolerances of everyone's beliefs except for those that believe in Jesus. Amen. However, today we've got to make it very clear if we call ourselves Christians, if we're followers of Jesus and we say we believe in the Bible, then we must believe in every word of the Bible. Amen. We can't say we believe in the Bible. We can't say we believe in the truth but say we don't believe in that part, amen. We believe in the whole Bible, amen. If it says it in the Bible and we say we believe it, then we have to act like we believe it, amen. No matter how educated we become, no matter how smart we think we are, no matter how woke our society thinks it is, amen, the way is still narrow, amen. It doesn't matter how woke we are. It doesn't matter how educated we are. It doesn't matter how informed we are. The way is still narrow. It still hasn't changed, amen. The way is still narrow. There's only one truth. There's only one way, amen. And Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way, amen. I am the truth. I am the way, amen. It's very disturbing to me that there are those that claim to be followers of Jesus, but they live lives that are directly contrary to the word of God, amen. And it's hurting the church, amen. It is hurting Christianity, amen. See, the way may be narrow, but it's the only way. Amen. Just because we don't believe it should be narrow doesn't mean it can change. Just because we're offended by the way doesn't mean it can change. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter what our thoughts on the way. Amen. It can only be narrow because that's what Jesus said. Amen. The Bible may appear to be closed-minded, but it is the final authority of life. Just because people say the Bible's closed-minded, just because the Bible, people say that the Bible is for a long time ago and it's not relevant to modern day, I want you to know that it is still the only authority on our life. Amen? This may not be popular preaching, and a lot of people will tune me out, and Facebook's probably gone dead. I'm probably blocked, right? But I want you to know today that there, there are many paths in this world, but there is only one path that will take you to heaven. There are many paths in this world, but there's only one path that will lead you to Jesus. There's many paths in this world, but only one that will lead to eternal life. And Jesus said that way is narrow, and that way is straight. Amen? He said straight is the gate, right? And narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. The way to Christ and eternal life is a narrow way. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. Amen? What he's suggesting is if you want to enter into this Christianity, the fold of Christianity, you can only come through the door of Jesus Christ. It's the only way. The fact becomes even more clear when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. In other words, all roads do not lead to heaven. Amen. All roads do not lead to the kingdom of God. Amen. There's only one way. 
one road, amen, and the Bible says that it is a narrow road. If you want to be a Christian, you must come through Jesus Christ. He's the only way, amen. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to spend eternity with Jesus, then you must go through Jesus, amen. He is the only way to heaven, amen. And the way is straight and the way is narrow, amen. Because any other way, the Bible says, is a broad way, right? And that broad way leads to death. That broad way leads to destruction. The broad way, the way that the world takes, the way that everybody else is on, the way that we see the world taking, amen, is a way that leads to eternal separation from God. Jesus shows us the way, and it's narrow, amen? Amen. Because if we go any further, I want you to ask you, before I go any further, I want to ask you a question. Have you chosen the narrow way? Amen. Are you living the narrow way? See, the narrow way doesn't look like the broad way. See, what I want you to ask you a question is, when, when you look at other people that don't even claim to be Christians, does your, line, does your life line up with the same way they do? Amen? Or is the only difference between your way and their way is that you go to church? The first principle is the way is narrow. Amen? The next is it's a freeway. Not an interstate. Amen? But a freeway. Amen? It's a way of freedom, amen? Now listen, a lot of people hear that word freedom in Jesus and they think they have freedom to live however they want to live, right? There's freedom in Jesus. I'm saved, right? I'm free to live however I want to live now, but that's not true, amen? Jesus said he did not come to destroy the law, amen, but to fulfill the law. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews that he will write the laws on our heart, amen? No, we are not free to live as we want to live. We're not free to live any way we want to live, amen? We must follow the laws of God, amen? Instead, we're free of condemnation. When the Bible talks about us being free, it talks about us being free of condemnation. There's no, therefore, no more condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, amen? So we're free from that sin, amen? We're also free from that desire to sin, amen? We're free from that desire to sin anymore, amen? Yeah, we're going to sin. Yeah, we're going to mess up. Yeah, we're going to make mistakes. We're still in a human body, amen? But we are free from that desire to sin. Not only are we free from the curse of sin, we're free from the bondage of sin. Jesus said that he came to fulfill the law, not destroy it, right? See, there's no power within us to break that bondage of sin, amen? The law was just too difficult. There had to be another way, and it had to be Jesus, amen? Back in the olden days, those people couldn't live up to the law, so there had to be another way. So that other way was Jesus, amen? So to fully understand what we're free from, we got to understand that sin that we were all in. If you look at Romans 3, 9 through 12, John Graham, it says this, What then are we better than they? No in no wise, for we have been proved, both Gentiles and Jew, that they are all under sin. Everybody, Jew, Gentile, everybody is under sin. Amen. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, no, not one. Amen. We used to sing that song in church, no, not one, amen. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one, amen. No, not one. The Bible says in verse 23, for all have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God, amen. All of us through Adam have inherited this sinful nature, amen? But through Jesus, we can find freedom from sin, amen? And freedom from the nature of sin also, amen? Listen, Jesus said he was the way, amen? He's not only the way to reconcile back to the Father, amen? But he's also the way we should live. 
Amen. He's the way that we should live and be free from this bondage of sin over our lives. Amen. Are we going to be tempted? Amen. Yes, we are. Are we going to sin? Yes, we're going to sin, right? We live in a sinful world. We live in sinful bodies. At times, we will sin. We will make mistakes, but we don't go out desiring to sin. Amen. We don't go out willfully sinning every day. Amen. We don't do that anymore. Amen. Somebody once told me that if you're a banker and you stop banking, then you're no longer a banker. Amen. It's the same way with sin. Once you get free from sin, amen, but yet you continue to sin, guess what you are? You're still a sinner. Amen. But yet we, we, we're, not, we're free from that willful desire to sin. And, amen. See, we no longer have a nature of sin, meaning the desire to sin, the desire to willfully sin. That's a freedom that we're talking about, a freedom from desire to willfully sin. Jesus said he is the way and the truth and the life. Amen. And the Bible said the truth will set you free. Amen. The truth will make you free. Amen. We can be free from the desire to sin. When we're saved, we're born again. And that old man, Adam, with his sinful nature dies out. And there's a new man. Amen. That old man is crucified with Jesus. Amen. And we no longer serve sin. Amen. And there's a transformation that takes place in our life. Amen. Whenever we give our lives to Jesus, there's a transformation that takes part in our life. Amen. But listen, when we enter into this narrow way, we are free from sin, but we're still bound by the law. We're not free to live as we want. Amen. Paul said this in Romans 6 and 1. It says this, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Amen. That grace may be abound. What did Paul say? God forbid. Amen. God forbid. The Bible says, shall we continue in sin now that we're free from sin, now that we're saved, now that we've given our life to Jesus Christ, shall we continue to just go right on sinning? Shall we continue to just live our lives in any way that we want to do? Can we choose our own truth? Paul said, God forbid. How shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein? How in the world, if you call yourself dead to sin, if you call yourself saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, can you continue therein? Amen. God forbid. A little bit later, Paul explained in Romans 6, 18 through 23, these truths. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. You were a servant of sin. Now you are a servant of righteousness. Amen. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unholiness. You used to live for sin. Now live for holiness. Amen. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then and those things wherein you are now ashamed for the end of these things is death. Amen. Those things are gone. You don't do those things anymore. You're a new creature. Amen. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Amen. Your fruit is holiness. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal. But only through Jesus Christ, amen. Only through Jesus Christ, because the Bible says that he is the way and the only way, amen. I'm kind of simple in my thinking, amen. I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm from where it shows, you know. So I'm a little more simple in the way I think. But I believe what Paul is saying here is if you're a Christian, act like it. Amen. If you're a Christian, act like it. If you say you are Christ-like, then be like Christ, amen. The Bible's saying it's a narrow way, and it's a free way, amen. It's also a careful way. By that, I mean it's well thought out. In other words, it's a planned way. See, I want you to rest assured tonight that 
Jesus being born on this earth, Jesus dying on a cross was not a reaction to the sin that was committed in the Garden of Eden. See, I want you to understand today that God was not caught off guard when Adam sinned. Amen. There was not an emergency response meeting of the Holy Trinity. They were not sitting up there saying, what in the world are we going to do? We had a plan. We put Adam and Eve on this earth, and we told them not to sin, but they sinned, and we don't know what to do. What can we do? Let's come up with something, guys. That's not the way it was going. That's not the way it went. Amen. There was no mention of damage control. There was no cover-ups. There was no discussion of how we were rectified the situation. In fact, God knew Adam was going to sin before he created him. But yet he created him anyway. Amen. In spite of the sin he knew he would commit. See, God, before the world had even been planned, he knew that it was going to take his son to be redeemed for our sins. Amen. He knew. Jesus was the only way. He was the only way, amen. To understand, we have to understand that salvation has nothing to do with us. There's nothing that you can do to be saved, amen. All you can do is trust in God and give your life to Jesus. When we choose to serve God, we choose to not, we don't choose to partner with God in our salvation, amen. A lot of people think that. They think whenever we choose to give our lives to God that we are partnering in our salvation. I want you to know that you're not partnering in your salvation it has nothing to do with us amen we choose to accept the finished work of salvation amen we choose Jesus Christ the Bible says it is by grace are you saved through faith not of yourselves there's nothing we can do to earn salvation amen the gift of God's son was a gift and it's a free gift amen it's a free gift but it was also the plan from the beginning the Bible said for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believeth in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. Amen. What scripture is that, Jay? John 3, 16, right? <laughs> the gift was a plan before the world ever began. Amen. God's gift was more than a plan. It was a promise. A promise that was laid out before the world even began. Amen. Not only did God lay out the plan of salvation, he also accomplished it here on this earth. God laid out the plan, and God accomplished the plan. Amen. God done it all. Amen. God planned every aspect of life of Jesus on heaven and earth. Amen. God laid out the plan of salvation in heaven, and his son was faithful to follow it to the cross. No, this was not a plan B. I want you to understand that. It was a careful, it was a thought-out plan. Amen. See, it was plan A from the beginning. The death, burial, and resurrection of the perfect Lamb of God was the only plan and the only way that man would be made right before a holy God. Amen. God's plan of salvation has been carefully laid out from the foundation of the world and has been made available for all of us if we will just confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ and believe in our hearts and that God raised him from the dead. Amen. Romans 10 and 9. <clears throat> the way is narrow, it's careful, and it's free, and the next way is it's committed. The way is not for the casual Christian. Amen. The way, the narrow way is not, it doesn't have a short-term contract, amen. It's a committed way. This way requires 100% of who we are. Jesus gave his life for us. The narrow way requires that we'll give our life for him, amen. The Bible says in Luke 14, 26 through 27, that if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, his, all, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty committed, doesn't it? 
That sounds pretty committed there. I want you to understand today that this scripture right here caused me to stumble. I want you to understand today that I did not understand this scripture. Amen. When I read this scripture, I was thinking, how in the world could God want me to hate my own father, father and mother? How in the world can God want me to hate my wife and my children and my brothers and my sisters, amen, and hate my own life, amen? I want you to know today that Jesus understands loving your family. See, Jesus had a family on this earth, amen? He had a mama. He had a dad, amen? He had siblings. He had friends. He understands. All Jesus is saying here is that he wants to be and he has to be first in your life, amen? He's not telling you to hate anybody, amen? What he's saying is that you got to put him first, amen? you got to put him first, amen? To do that, amen, it will be against everything that Jesus taught. Amen, if you go back and read the Bible and you say, well, Jesus wants us to hate people, and if you go back and you read that, you would think, well, then everything else Jesus said was a contradiction. But it's not a contradiction. Jesus wants us to put him first. That's all he's saying. And the fair, Jesus is love, the Bible says, and he commanded us to love our neighbor. He commanded us to honor our father and our mother. Amen. Jesus is not saying to hate our family. He's simply saying if we're going to follow him, he's got to come first. Amen. If we're going to follow him, we've got to put him first. That means we have to commit our life to Jesus. Amen. The problem today is that we have churches out there that are full of people that confess but not a lot of people that commit, amen? See, the church is full of those that confess Jesus as their Savior, but there are very few that commit their lives to following him through the narrow way, amen? The only way that the Bible says we should follow Jesus. See, it's a committed way. We must understand that commitment to Jesus comes with a cross, amen? Just as Jesus was called to sacrifice his life for ours, we're called to sacrifice our life for him, Brother Garfield. We must be committed, committed to learning, committed to growing, committed to listening, committed to correcting, right? All the things in our hearts it takes to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ, amen? Right? We all know we need to pray. We all know we need to study the Bible, amen? We all know we need to worship, amen? We all know we need to give. We all know we need to serve. And in our hearts, every one of us knows we need to be in church, amen? Every, all of us know that, amen? That's the things that we all know to do, amen, but yet at times we can't be committed to it, right? There's times that we can't be committed to those things, even though I think every one of us knows that we should be doing all of those things, amen, that we should do all of those things. I've heard people say that, and I'm sure you've heard it say, right, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, right? Every time I hear somebody say that, I bite my tongue, right? I bite my tongue because what I want to say is, well, why in the world would you not want to go, Amen. Right in the world, would you not want to go to church, amen? And I understand what people are saying when they say that, right? But I, I just can't understand why somebody that is following Jesus would not want to go to church, amen? A lot of people talk about the people, right? I don't want to go to church because of the people. Amen, we're not there for the people, amen? We're not there for the people, amen? We're there for church. We're there for Jesus, amen? Listen, I want you to understand today that re relationships with people is a benefit of going to church, amen? Fellowship with people. All of that is a benefit of going to church, but it's not the reason for church, amen? Fellowship and friendship is a benefit, but we come to serve God, right? We come because God said, don't forsake the assembling together of the saints, amen? That's why we come to church, amen? We come to serve, we come to worship, we come to spread and grow and, and gain knowledge, amen? You hear people say all the time, I don't come to church because there's hypocrites in there, amen? There's hypocrites in the grocery store, amen? 
I see you guys in there. Amen. Right? Amen. Right? The church, the church is not perfect. Amen. The church is not perfect. Right? It's never going to be perfect. You know why it's not perfect? Because we're in it. Right? We're in it. And we're not perfect people. Amen. Right? But still, it's still the bride of Christ. The church is still the bride of Christ. Amen. And it's where we're called to be. Be committed. Amen. And do what you know to do. Amen. I've said it many times, if we would just do what we know to do, we'd be okay, right? If we would just do what we already know to do, we would be okay. A lot of times, I said this in our small group the other night, a lot of times we spend all this time reading new books, we spend all this time reading new devotions, and don't get me wrong, all of that stuff's good, but why can't we just do what we already know to do, amen? We all know to do the things we know to do, amen? And I think if we would do those things, we would be okay, right? And then we we would... we would learn and we would grow in God. Amen. Do what you know to do. Amen. If we are called, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, we've got to be committed to Christ. Amen. And to do that, we also got to be committed to his church and to his people. It's a, <clears throat> it's a narrow way. It's a free way. It's a careful way. It's a committed way. And yet it's a costly way. Amen. This is going to be a little bit tough one, guys. To follow Jesus, it's not only a committed way, but it's a costly way. See, commitment is costly at times. It costs Jesus' his life, amen, and it demands ours. Jesus said in Matthew 16 to 24 that if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Why is it costly, costly to live the narrow way? See, the narrow way is contrary than the world's way, right? The narrow way is contrary to the world's way. Matthew 10 and 22 said this, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Our commitment to Christ cost us to live as the world lives. Amen. That's what it cost us. We don't get to live as the world lives. Amen. We don't have that option anymore. We're in the world, but we're not of the world, the Bible says. There are things in this world that we as followers of Jesus are just not permitted to partake of. Amen. Right? I want you to know today there is still forbidden fruit in this world. Just like there was in the Garden of Eden, there is still forbidden fruit in this world. Contrary to what some of these prosperity preachers are teaching today, we as followers of Jesus cannot have our cake and eat it too. Amen. See, we will be blessed. Yes, we will be blessed. Right? God will allow us to have some things. Amen. But I want you to know today that commitment to Jesus comes with a cost at times. Amen. It may cost us some comfort. It may cost us some companionships. It could cost us a lot of things, amen. It takes a commitment to follow Jesus. I want you to understand today, I don't see a whole lot of prosperity gospels preaching out of the book of Job, amen. I don't see a, I don't see a lot of those guys preaching out of the book of Job. See, the book of Job, that man, he, he went through some stuff, amen. The narrow way can be a costly way. The narrow way can be a costly way at times. However, no matter what the cost is in this world, it can't be compared. The Bible says it can't be compared to the glory that we'll see one day. Amen. See, there's an eternal reward for all of those that finish the race. Amen. That finish the race. Amen. Don't give up eternity for pleasure and comfort of today. There's people all over the world that give up eternity for something that they feel today. Comfort or pleasure today. It can be a costly way, but it's worth it. Amen. It's also an uncompromising way. God has called us to stand firm on his truth. See, we're not to compromise his truth. 
too many Christians and preachers out there today are trying to widen the road. Amen. They want to widen the road. They're out there with their uh, hard hats on and they've got their little signs up, stop and all that. And they've got their vest on and they're trying to widen the road. Amen. But we're not called to widen the road. Amen. We're called to live the narrow road. Amen. Listen, there's nothing that we can do to change the road. Amen. All we can do is follow the road. Not our feelings, not our offenses. Amen. Those things don't cause us to widen the road. Amen. Our only, only obligation is to follow it. Our, obli our obligation is not to try to repair it. Our obligation is not to try to widen it. Our only obligation is to follow the narrow road. Not to change it, not to help it. Amen. Not to interpret it. Amen. Our only obligation is to follow the way that we are called to follow without compromise. How many times do you hear people say, you know, well, I know the Bible says this, and I know the Bible says that, right? But, you know, that really can't be what it means, right? Because I know this person in that situation, and I love this person that's doing that, amen? And I, and, and I know the Bible is saying that, but I also know Jesus' love, and he can't really mean that. Listen, that's trying to widen the road. That's trying to widen the road, amen? But the road is narrow, and we can't change it, amen? It won't change no matter how much we compromise, amen? In fact, just because we believe the road should be a little bit wider, that's not going to change the road. All that means is that we're probably on the wrong road. Amen. We need to get on the right road, which is the narrow road. Our last point tonight, and probably our most important point, is this a Christ-centered way. Amen. It's a Christ-centered way tonight. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. If you want to get to God, you got to get through Jesus. Amen. If you want to get to God, you got to go through Jesus. He's the only way. If we want to be all that God intends us to be, then we got to be like Paul when he wrote, I'm determined not to know anything else but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. Paul said, I know nothing but Jesus and Him crucified. Amen. And that's really the point here tonight. Amen. More of God and less of me. Right, God said, have no other gods before me. That's the narrow way. Jesus first, amen. It doesn't matter how narrow the road is. As long as we put Jesus in front, we're going to be okay and we'll be able to follow the road. A lot of people think, well, you know, that the road is so narrow, you know, there's no way I could follow that, so I'll give up. But I promise you, if you'll just put Jesus in front of you and follow him, you'll be okay. And you'll be able to stay on the narrow road, amen. But it's whenever we let Jesus keep going and then we get off the way a little bit and we quit following him, that's when we get off that road, amen. It's when he's not in front of us, amen. It's when our eyes aren't on Jesus, amen. It's when our eyes are on everything else in the world, amen, that we get off that narrow path, amen. But the good thing is Jesus has something called grace, amen. The great thing about Jesus is when we get off the narrow path, there's a built-in GPS, a grace positioning system, if you will. Amen. And that grace positioning system is called the Holy Spirit. If we'll pay attention, He'll redirect us and help us get back on the path. Amen. But we got to pay attention, and we got to allow the Holy Spirit to correct us and redirect us and help us get back on the path. Amen. That's what tough messages are sometimes, amen. Whenever we hear messages and we think, man, that's hard and I don't think I could live up to that narrow way. That's the God giving you a chance to get back on the path, amen. 
So tonight, there's gut check time, amen? What road are we on? Is it the narrow way or the broad way? The Bible says that on the narrow way, there's very few people on it. There's very few people on the narrow way. There's very few people that are living life the way that Jesus called us to live, amen? But the Bible said at the end of that narrow way is Him, amen, is Jesus, and it's heaven, amen? But the Bible said there's another way, and that way is the broad way. A lot of people on that way. There's a lot of people living that way. And if you look and you look at your life, as I said earlier, and you look at their life, that are those completely opposites? Don't get me wrong. We got to live in this world. We got to do the same things that a lot of people do. Amen. But you know what I mean today. Amen. Our lives shouldn't look like the rest of the world. Amen. The way we're walking shouldn't look like the rest of the way the world walks. Amen. The things we watch shouldn't look like the the way the things watch. Amen. The things we listen to shouldn't look like the way the things the world listens to, amen, the things we say, amen, the places we go, amen, it shouldn't look like the rest of the world, amen, if it does, we need to check and see if we're on the wrong path, maybe it's our GPS telling us we need to redirect and get back on the right path, amen, but we have to search our own heart, we have to search our own heart today, amen, the Bible says, I believe it was David that said, search me, O God, search me, O that's what we got to ask and just ask God to search us and reveal anything that's in our life that would cause us to not be on that narrow path that would cause us to be on that broad path because you see the Bible said pretty plainly that the broad path leads to destruction to destruction amen and that destruction and eternal separation from God that's what we stand to lose amen a lot of times we think that you know if we follow God and we try to live the way that God wants us to live we're going to have to give up so many things amen man I'd rather give up the stuff of this world and give up heaven amen I'd much rather give up the things of this world and give up a chance to spend with my life with Jesus amen let's all bow our heads today and let's just allow God to search our hearts as these, they begin to sing and begin to worship we're going to allow God to search our hearts today anything keeping us off of that narrow way, just ask God to remove that today and help us get back on the right path Amen Heavenly Father, God, we love you God, we're thankful, God for all that you are, God Lord, I know, God, I struggled through that message, God, and I know, God I just pray that you touch somebody's heart tonight through it, God Lord, I pray that your word spoke to somebody's heart tonight, God Lord, I pray that they heard from you tonight, if there's anybody in this room, God, that is in danger of that destruction you talked about on that broad way, God, I ask you tonight to give them the courage, God, to give it to you, God, and allow you to redirect them to get back on the right path, God. Lord, all of us fall, all of us fail, God, but the point is we got to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us and correct us, God, and get back on that right path. Lord, I ask you today, God, Lord, to give us that courage, God, give us that boldness, God, Lord, to get where you want us to be, God, Lord, and live your life the way that you want us to live and follow you, God. Lord, we're so thankful for all that you're doing, God, in all of the people's lives in this church, God. Lord, we just love you so much, God. You're, you're, you're good to us, God. Lord, your grace and mercy, God, Lord, we just don't deserve it, God. We don't deserve the grace and mercy that you show us every day, God. Another opportunity, God, today to make our lives the way that you want us to be, God. 
just thank you for that, God. Help us today, God, Lord, to live according to your will, God, according to your narrow way, God, in your precious name. Amen. These altars are open if you're here today. If not, let's stand and worship. Amen. Dead on. 